Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today I want to talk about things that I've learned from running a 10K race. For those of you guys that are new here, I, this year, my goal, one of my goals was to run a 10K race. And I've never run a race before. I've run on it, ran on and off basically since 2020. But this year I got a lot more serious about it. I was like, I want to do an actual race. I want to be a professional runner. I want to see what happens. And I chose 10K because it felt like something a little bit more than what I've done in the past, which I've been able to run a 5k, not in a race, but you know, on my own. And I thought this is a little bit more challenging, a little bit out of my range. I think I can do it. So I set out that goal and I actually accomplished it and it happened. And I just wanted to share some lessons from lessons from it because one, it's great to celebrate your wins. Two, it's good to review it and see what worked from it and what didn't work. And I think a lot of the lessons that I learned can be applied to bulimia recovery. So I hope that you enjoy. But for those of you guys that have been following along, a lot of people ask me about it. Last month, I did actually run a 10K race. I came in about mid-range for my age group and females and stuff like that. I wasn't going in, though, expecting to win or anything like that. But I did finish my time about at a, I think it was like a 10.30, 10.48 pace, which is actually better than what I had been running previously. Usually I was like at 11 minutes pace, which I know is slow for a lot of people. But for me, that was the best I could do. I ran that race and actually now I'm intending on for this year bumping up my goal because I'm like I still have a whole rest of the year to do it. So I'm going to decide to run a half marathon or a marathon. I don't know for sure yet. I'm leaning more towards the half marathon, but part of me just wants to book the marathon and see if I can actually do it. Well, we'll see. I'm planning on booking one in the fall this year. I'm looking for some races possibly around Halloween time. And I was thinking we could do it outside of Colorado so we could take a vacation along with it and have a trip and have fun. But I'm planning on doing that. But here are some of the lessons that I learned from running a 10K. One is pacing is everything. And here's what I mean. When you are running, you can't just go all out. I mean, you can if you are in incredible shape, but really, I think most professional runners will tell you, you have to pace yourself. You have to know that you have to go at a pace that you can keep for a long time, especially if it's something longer than a mile. I feel like you just have to know and not push yourself to extent because if you don't pace yourself, then you're going to burn out and need to walk and need to stop. And when I first started trying to run, I would run really hard. The one I was burnt out. And it's because I wasn't paying attention to how much energy I was outflowing. Where this can be drawn in comparison to life is wanting to do everything all at once. And running forces you to, because sometimes you have that energy, you have energy bursts in life, right? Where you're like, I need to do everything, like with recovery motivation, you're like, I need to do it all right now. And with running, you'll have that too, it gets boring. You're like, I want to run really fast right now. But you have to hold back. 
and you have to hold back because you know if you burn all your energy at that moment you will not have energy for the fifth mile the sixth mile the seventh mile you have to wait you have to be patient you have to know when to hold which is an intense skill because you have to fight these urges to go faster in the moment and entertain yourself in that way life is very similar and with recovery and pacing i see a lot of my clients when you do everything all at once and constantly just like i need to change it all i'm an all or nothing person they tell them themselves that story and there is time for change there is time where you want to go yes, we're in it, we're in it to win it. And we're going to go all in on making, let's say purging, not an option. Or we're going to go all in on stopping binging. But I think it's far better to go all in on one particular aspect of recovery versus all of it all at once. I mean, sometimes that works for people, but I feel like that's where people get burnt out or they just don't want to do it because it seems so emotionally and physically exhausting because they're trying to do everything all at once. It's not helpful. Something I've been trying to focus on a lot is keeping myself focused on the current present moment instead of just spending all my time in the future. I set goals. I'm really systematic, those sorts of things. But if I'm not careful, I think way too much about what I need to do in the future and not so much about what I need to do right now. And that's when it feels like you're putting a ton of effort into something to planning, but nothing's ever getting done because you're not focusing on the now. I see people do that in recovery. They think about all the things that they have to do that are required for recovery when they really they need to they need to have it in mind it's it's a balance you can't just not think about your future i mean you can you don't have to but i'd recommend it but they need to be thinking about well yes you're going to do those things but what do you need to do today what is important for today and that's the missing piece and then taking action on what you need need to do today for running same thing you need to focus on one step at a time you need to have in mind that you're going to be going 6 7 14 miles 26 miles you need to know that but at the end of the day, you need to be focused on the mile that you're running, the step that you're running. And actually another lesson too was I most of the time would run the mile, the the route I did would include a hill. There was about, there was on the probably fourth or fifth mile each time I run my run, there was this huge hill that I had to run up to get to the mountains. I would have this really pretty route where I would end the top of the hill running right next to the mountains. And it was a kind of reward, but Running up that mountain, running up that hill to the mountain was at least like a 600 foot incline to get up there. And it was awful, especially at the very end. And I found that what was helpful for me was, first of all, keeping my head down, like literally keeping my head down and just focusing on the pavement that was right in front of me. I had a hat on always to, for some protection. And I that would keep my vision, not looking at the goal of the top of the hill and not seeing how far away it was, but simply just looking. Cause I'd have to run up this hill for at least a mile and a half. It was, it was not a small hill. It was a long grueling hill. And what helped me was keeping my visor and my hat down and just looking straight directly in front of me and downward. So I didn't see, and I wasn't constantly looking at how far I had to go. I was only looking at, I had to keep focusing another step, another step, another step, another step. And translating this to real life, I'm always trying to make my antidotes actionable or relatable to you with recovery. Again, people, they think of every single thing that they need to do in recovery. They need to intuitively, they need to learn how to face urges. They need to get their nutrition better. They need need to eat normally. They need to deal with their emotions. They need to solve these things in their life once they recover. Whatever it is that they think they have to do, they have all of that in their mind, but then they forget to just put their visors down, put their blinders on and focus on today, which if you were first starting in recovery, I'd say urge management and eating consistently are the only things you need to focus on.
in the very beginning is just what are we going to do with urges today? What's our, what's our urge protocol? And then what exactly are we going to do to eat consistently? How are we going to make sure we eat consistently? It's not even, it's not even about intuitive eating in the beginning. It's really about like, what can we do to make sure we're eating consistent foods every three hours, every four hours or whenever we're hungry. So we're not freaking out and getting too hungry and then binging and purging. So keep your visor on, keep your hat low and focus on what's right in front of you. Another thing I noticed about running too is technique and how this relates to recovery is I see people all the time thinking, I just can't recover. I just can't do it. I'm broken. Something's wrong with me. And they choose to believe these stories about themselves that they just tried everything and that's why they can't recover and that it must be them. I always tell them it's the hell, it's the technique that you're using, it's the something going on with your thought systems. It's not you inherently. You have the ability to learn and change. You can reprogram your brain, but they don't believe it. Something interesting about running is technique is huge. And most of my training for the 10K, I wasn't paying much attention to technique. I was just focusing on length and trying to reach my mileage. And I didn't even really care that much about time. I would try to push myself, but it was mainly about just running for longer and longer periods of time. Then after I did the 10K, I was watching a few running videos on form. Just like, oh, maybe I should start trying to correct that a bit and see if there's anything I'm missing. And I found this one cue. It was a very simple cue of run as if there is a tabletop or something above your head and you can't bounce too much. You have to not hit this the very low ceiling on top of your head. So basically keep your head low. And so I ran with that cue, only that cue. And they're like, keep your shoulders up straight and just make sure you don't hit the invisible ceiling above your head as you're running. And what this did on my run is it forced me to not jump up so much, but jump forward instead. So when I was running, what this cue did is it forced me to kind of think about, okay, if I can't move so far up, I need to move forward instead. And so that meant leaning forward in a way while still keeping posture and almost using my feet to kind of uh, claw the ground forward instead of hopping up. I had a lot of hops to my running form, which actually was wasting a ton of energy. And then with that cue alone, that run that I did, I shaved a minute off my time, just like that. I was like suddenly under a 10 minute runner, just like that. And so what was interesting and how this relates is the whole time I thought, mm, I'm just slow. I'm just a slow runner and I just need more time and I just can't run that fast. Maybe I'll never be able to run that fast. And then with the simple, just thinking there's an invisible ceiling above my head was enough to force my running form to shave a minute off my time. Apply that to people. They think I just can't do it. I'm just unable. And then they find the right technique and it changes them completely. And then suddenly they're able to not binge and purge anymore. And the whole time they thought it was them and it wasn't that. So that's another lesson I wanted to add is that Technique is important. And if you're telling yourself the story of, oh, I'm just broken and I can't do it and I'm a hopeless case, maybe that's not true. Maybe you're just doing the wrong thing. Maybe you're just taking action on the in the wrong area. You know, if someone's trying to dig a hole and they're using a plastic spoon to dig, dig a hole in like hard dirt, then they're like, I just am not good at digging holes. It's like, no, you need a shovel. You need, you need a shovel. You honestly need a drill. You need something that it's, it's not the plastic spoon. It's, it's that you're using a plastic spoon and you need to be using a shovel. You're not using the right tools. Stop it. Which if you want to join my program to find better tools, that's what my program offers you. Another thing running taught me was 
appreciating my body and a whole new element. And I think lifting in the gym has helped me with this too, but some people use exercise to hurt, harm themselves. They use it as a form of extreme compensation for food. They use it as punishment. They use it as whatever. But when you are going to exercise in in a way that you're looking at, how can my body grow? How can I gain from this? How can I achieve things with my body? With this running, it was really an interesting element. It was a new goal that I had with it and looking at how can I make my body perform? How can I use my body in a way to be at its peak and run as great as it can and the capability that it does have? And that in turn, not only made me appreciate my body much more than I had previously. I mean, I, I feel like I've come a long way, way with my body, but after it would get up these long hills and these grueling runs and 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 continually surpass things that I hadn't done before, it helped me see, wow, like my body is actually a really phenomenal thing and I'm so grateful it can do what it can do. I always think too about how blessed I am and how at any moment it could go away. Like our bodies are not always going to be there. Our bodies are kind of our weakness and our greatest abilities. And it just... I took a lot of time on this process to appreciate my body and be grateful for my body and in turn fueling it properly too. Because again, a lot of people use exercise to harm themselves and starve themselves and things like that. But if you want to achieve a running goal and not burn out, not get tons of injuries, not feel like crap all the time, it's very important to actually fuel your body properly. So it made me think about food at a higher level and in a healthy way too. It was more, it wasn't just about like, how can I be orthorexic as hell? It was much more about how can I feel my body properly and give myself treats and things like that. I was talking to a friend who said that they, when they were running back in the day, they would constantly think on their runs about what food they got to eat afterwards because they were disordered with food. And for me, something else with running that I have not, I don't think about that. I, When I allow myself treats, it's because I want treats still, which I've been so grateful for that when I'm running, it's not just about like I'm running so that I can eat food. That hasn't, that's never been what it's about, which is cool. And I think it just shows me a lesson that I learned about myself is this wasn't about eating. It wasn't about food. It wasn't about bulimia in any realm. It was just a personal accomplishment and goal for me. And that felt good. So setting goals that are about who you become as a person has been important for me. And something that was cool about the running is it taught me who I need to be in order to run a 10K and really literally changed me as a person in many ways because I had to think about how do I want to show up for this? How do I want to show up on hard days? How do I want to think differently? Another thing too on that line was how to motivate yourself in a positive way. And I've talked about this multiple times on podcasts. I saw something recently that came out about how like fear is more motivating than good things. And I don't know, I need to do more research into that, but I... Maybe that works for normal people, but I'll tell you, fear and hatred for me was always my motivators in my bulimia days. And it just drove me to do really awful things to myself and feel really awful and feel defeated. It drove me to feel like I should just give up, you know? And during this run, these these running months, uh, what I used, especially on those hills, when I was going up those hills and I wanted to give up and I so badly wanted to stop, I would never tell myself, whenever I'm talking meanly to myself, I'm like, you should be able to do it. There were occasionally times where I thought, like, especially when I first started, I couldn't run, you know, more than a mile or so. And I was like, oh, Jacqueline, how could you not run more than a mile? What's wrong with you? But whenever I heard that language, I'd stop it and be like, no, we're not going to do that to ourselves. 
We're going to be proud of what we can do. We're going to celebrate the little wins here. So every single run that I did, I was always very happy. And I celebrated it in, in certain ways, just as, just as, yay, good job. I would cheer myself on. I'd take sometimes screenshots of the runs and post it online to feel good about myself, like all these things. But I would motivate myself too by by gently encouraging, by saying things like, if you can keep going, please keep going. We know we can do this. We know we're strong enough. Just put one foot in the front of the other. Just keep going. And that motivated me more than anything. And it was never at the expense of myself too. I was very clear with the motivations. I was always like, if you can, please keep going. If it's in your within your ability, please keep going. It was never run no matter what, even if your ankle hurts or something. So that was an interesting shift in my motivations. And then going back when I said celebrating my wins, appreciating every single run and every single little win and time change. And even the runs where I did badly, where my time went backwards, I was still grateful that I was moving. I was still proud of myself for doing that. And I reminded myself of doing that because it's so easy online, especially in Instagram, you know, there's always the best, the best online and they, they're complaining about their worst times, which are, you know, would be an amazing time for me. And I just kept my myself focused on what my goals were. And I see this in the recovery community a lot. People compare themselves to me or they compare themselves to other people going through the program and they think, I'm not good enough. I'm not doing it fast enough. I'm not doing it the right way. I should be doing those things. Or they think if I had this person's situation that I would be better, it'd be immediately solved. It's just not helpful. And the running situation for me reminded me so much about how comparison is such a thief of joy. And you just have to, again, put your hat down and stay in your lane. And then... Another interesting thing about running that I learned is that it's a great time to think. And then when I was talking about with this friend who said they they liked they would think a lot about the food that they're going to eat afterwards, I told them I love running because I get great ideas when I run. And my brain is pumped up. I don't know if it's full of blood. I don't know what it is, but I'm thinking on the run, I'm thinking a lot about the podcast. I'm thinking a lot about how I'm going to help clients or different issues that clients are going through. Or I'm thinking about my own personal life and what issues I want to work through, things I want to do. I feel incredibly motivated on runs, which is helpful because once you're running, it's it's amazing and you can think and all these things. So it's been a, quite a meditative time. I've been using that a lot as my meditation. But then when I'm getting ready to run, something I realized is that I never in the moment want to run. I'll always have it scheduled, I'll always have it planned, but I never actually want to do it. And so how I get myself to actually run is thinking about one, the goal, the overarching goal that I have, and two, knowing that I'll feel good and I'll have so many amazing thoughts and feel so much better mentally after I run. And so I, would, I wouldn't even try to convince myself that it was going to be fun, but I told myself, you'll feel better if you do it and push yourself to go for it and just get put your shoes on, put your clothes on and get out there. And even if you only run one mile, it's fine. But after I was out there, it would be much better. And if you want to use this in urge management with bulimia, something interesting you could do is, because a lot of people, when they, they want to stop binging and purging, they are told to think of your whys in the moment. And it is sometimes long-term whys are good. Like whenever I want to run, don't want to run, I think of my long-term why, which was a 10K race and who I want to become, who runs a 10K race, but then also now a half marathon or a half marathon. But 
I would think of the immediate benefits more often. I think about like, think about how much better you're going to feel. It's going to be so good for you. You're going to be proud of yourself afterwards. And you you are just going to feel better mentally. And I struggle with my mental health still. I struggle with darker thoughts. I struggle with just being depressed sometimes. And I struggle with being in like a lethargic funk and ADHD, not ADHD. I don't think I have ADHD, but a kind of real scroll doom sort of thing. So I know if I just get my body moving and get the blood flow going, I'm going to feel so much better for my mental health and it's going to set me up for success. And so I think of those immediate benefits, what you could do when you're having urges, instead of thinking of your long-term wise, you could think of how you're going to feel in two hours if you just don't binge and purge then. And sometimes you think you can think, can I make it through an hour? Can I make it through 10 minutes of this feeling? 30 minutes, an hour, you can. But if you think of the immediate benefits that you're going to get from doing that, that can be helpful. Something else running taught me that I've been speaking with my clients about a lot is the more room for success I have in my life, the less room for bullshit. And if I wanted to become someone who runs regularly, that means I had to sacrifice something else. And when I say sacrifice, I want to be clear. I don't want to be this toxic person who's like, you must sacrifice and work hard. But what I mean is that to spend that time running and working towards running, I needed to make changes in my life. I needed to make sacrifices in terms of my time. I needed to make sacrifices in terms of what I was doing that was possibly not benefiting me in running and hindering me from making that progress. And it was something that I wanted. So it didn't even really feel like a sacrifice. But like, for example, alcohol, I really don't drink alcohol anymore. Maybe the last time I drank was in March and it's May 1st now. So it's been a while and I've only drank probably twice this year. So so I made that sacrifice, not wholly intentionally, but I realized as time went on that I felt much better without alcohol and it really didn't help me at all. Alco- drinking alcohol even once a week was not something I wanted to be doing if I wanted to be running regularly. It just didn't work for me. And then also scrolling on, on reels before bed would cut into my sleep time a lot. And then it would lower my performance the next day for my clients and my runs. Not eating enough protein or carbs before running was going to hinder me if I didn't feel properly. And of course, I I had cheesecake this weekend. I still have, don't worry, don't panic. I still have fun foods. But what I'm saying is that the running forced me to become someone who is a runner because I wanted to which was so cool because it actually moved me closer to who I want to be in my life and cut out a lot of the bullshit that wasn't helping me, like alcohol, like scrolling too much on Instagram reels, like not being precise with my time. Something I've been really trying to work hard on lately is only checking my emails once or twice a day and specific times, not just opening at random, checking at random. I would the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning was check my emails to see who had messaged me and if I needed to respond to any customer inquiries. It's like 7.30 in the morning when I woke up in bed, still in bed, checking my emails. It just wasn't helpful for my mental health or sanity or sleep or the people around me or my clients or people that I'm actually working with. So I've been to become a runner, but also become someone who I want to be that is more successful in whatever that looks like to me. It meant that I had to make sacrifices and cut out a lot of that bullshit. I was talking with a client who 
was she's wanting to quit smoking. She's recovered from bulimia now, which is amazing. She's like, I forgot that I about the food that I was eating last weekend. It was amazing. But she's still smoking and she's committed to quitting that now. And we were talking about how much time, because she's like, I'm not going to notice the physical benefits of not smoking for a little while. It's not going to be that quick, which we don't know for sure, but we're guessing that's going to be the case. And so I said, what benefits would you get if you stopped smoking? And we talked about the time that she would get back. And I asked her, how much time does it take you to smoke one cigarette? And she said, you know, maybe five minutes. But I said, no, 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 no. How much time does it take you to think about smoking make the decision to smoke, get up from whatever you're doing, go outside, smoke the cigarette, do whatever you're doing, and then put the cigarette out, come back, get back in the flow of what you were doing and and regain your mental flow going on there. How much time does that take you? And she said, at least 15 to 20 minutes. And then how many times do you do that per day? Seven to eight times per day. Those bullshit things, they steal your life in little, little ways. And like during that time, she found that when she'd smoke, she'd also have some tea. She'd also scroll Instagram and check messages. And then she'd also go to the loo and stuff like that, you know? And so take this whole process. And then if you're in the flow of things, checking whatever it is on your phone or going for a cigarette break or binging and purging, it takes time from you and then getting back into that state that's so priceless, your mental state of being in flow of things and focus, it's hard to get back. So this person, we were talking about immediate benefits. I'm like, you might not notice physical benefits right away, but what you will notice is the time that you get back to spend on things you really want to be spending it on. So the goals that you want to have. I was also talking with another client who really needs to give up TikTok. It's not good for her. She's been diagnosed with ADHD and she is struggling with executive function. And TikTok is the death of her. She could spend hours on TikTok if she's not careful. So we just need to delete it from her phone because that is robbing her time constantly. And we're talking about she was worried about what she'd lose by giving that up. But I said, yeah, you are giving it up. But think of what you gain if you gave up TikTok, if you deleted it from your phone, you'd gain so much more. It's harming you more than it's benefiting you. And the benefits you get from giving it up are going to far outweigh the cons of giving it up. And that's what this running journey has been for me. Like with alcohol, it's a very easy choice for me of, yeah, there's some brief moments where I maybe feel a little bit good or a little bit buzzed. And then it just feels awful afterwards. And it it lingers in your system and it makes you feel off the next day. Just all these things with running and time and checking my Instagram. It's being the person who had to run a 10K changed me, even though I know 10K, it's not that serious, whatever. And I didn't win the race. It wasn't like I was a professional runner. I didn't win an award, but just having the goal of becoming that, of doing that changed me as a person, which is so cool. And that's why I'm such a big believer in goals and trying and striving for big things, even if you fail the goal, or even if you don't do a good job of the goal, you still are changed as a person because the process that it requires of you to do that goal, which is cool. It's like people think, oh, I didn't accomplish a goal, so I failed. It's like, but you changed so much as a person and you did so many things that got you closer to that goal. Maybe you'll hit it someday. And even if you don't hit it someday, you've gotten better. You're better than what you were before. It's not always the case. Like you don't always be growing, always be better and always improving, but maybe that's something that you can recognize always. Anyway, this has gotten a little off topic, but I just, running the 10K was a much bigger goal than I thought it was. I really just wanted to run it because I thought 
this would be cool. And I've never professionally ran in a race. And I think that I want to, I want to stay accountable to my running. I think running is good for me. Every time I do it, I, I feel good. So that's, that's the reason I wanted to run it, but it really forced me to become much better person or much not better, but like a bigger person than I thought I could be. And it's changed how I think of myself. Maybe that's a, the last thing I'll say is it shifted my identity and I didn't believe in myself in the beginning. I knew I could, I knew I could do it. If I'm being honest, like I knew I could at least walk and walk it for sure. But I didn't know if I could run it all the way through. And I didn't know if I'd commit and I didn't know how much I'd show up for it. And in the process of doing those things day in and day out, I became that person. And now it's changed what I believe in. And it's also changed what my expectations are for myself, because that was a goal. That was something I thought was going to be a really big deal. And now that I've accomplished it, I realized I can do way more than I thought I could. And another cool thing about setting high goals is once you actually achieve them or you achieve close to them, your whole perception of what's available to you is expanded. And now that you're there, you're like, I can do more. But also really important note is when you constantly think the goal is going to make you feel better, you got to be careful with that because the goal can always be moved forward. So when will it be enough, right? That's why you need to enjoy the process as well. But it really has shifted my identity. And so setting a goal, like if you want to think about recovery, setting a goal for recovery, you work towards it and it shifts you as an identity. It shifts you as a person as well. It's not just about stopping binging and purging. It's what you gain when you stop binging and purging, who you become to not binge and purge is the real price. It's not the behavior loss. And although that's nice, it's who you become to stop binging and purging. And you become someone who's no longer thinking about food all the time. You become someone who understands that their thoughts aren't exactly always true and they're not the boss of them. You become someone who can manage their emotions better because they aren't always the victim to the urges that force them to binge and purge, right? They know how to answer those urges differently. They know how to have uncomfortable feelings in their body to a whole nother degree than someone who has never had to deal with urges in the first place. They become someone who's maybe more structured and more less scared of food. They're not thinking about food constantly and more important things to think about in their life. But those are the benefits of recovery, right? It's not just about the behavior loss and eating a bunch of food and being able to eat cheesecake when you want to eat cheesecake. That's not what it's about. Okay, I hope you guys enjoyed my personal anecdotes about running. I I found it fun to share. I wanted to share a reflection since I've talked about it so much in the podcast and lots of people reached out. So I wanted to do a whole episode dedicated to that, but that was my experience. Oh, and and real quick, the morning of the race too, I had all these thoughts of why the fuck did you do this? Why? This is so stupid. There's going to be tons of people here. You don't like being around tons of people. You you don't you don't like it at all. Why did you decide to run in front of tons of people? Everyone's going to be judging you. You're going to be so slow. You're going to have to walk. You're not going to do any of these things. It's going to like my brain was just on fire with every dagger it could throw at me. But I showed up anyway. I didn't even try to stop the thoughts. I was just like, well, we're doing it. We're, we're signing up. My parents are here. They're going to watch the race. I can't back out now. It's just, it's happening. It's happening. And you know how you always want like, this is TMI, but for runners, you want to make sure your digestion is, on, it, digestion is on fleek, is on, is, is on route before a run. But of course, I woke up super early, had two cups of coffee. My digestion was like, no, we're not doing anything before the run. No, no, no. It's just like when I'm stressed, my digestion is like constipation. We're not, we're not going to poop before the run. 
And so I was nervous about that. I was like, great. Am I going to be one of those runner runners that have diarrhea? Is that going to happen to me? It didn't. It was fine. My digestion was on point for the run. It just, nothing happened. So I was so grateful for that. But I thought so many things were going to go wrong. And when I got there, no one cared, firstly. No one cared about me at all, which is great because they were all focused on themselves, which is the case with everyone. If you're ever self-conscious about things, just know that no one really cares. They're only thinking about themselves. The people who are watching you and judging you, They've got their own issues to worry about. And I actually wasn't the slowest person there. I did finish the race. My boyfriend ended up joining me last minute and taking a bunch of photos of me on the run. And he would like dance and stuff like that, part of the run and and make me laugh. And he'd like sprint sometimes and then walk and wait for me. (laughs) And it's just so silly. So he had a fun time too. And it was great that my parents were there. My dad used to be a runner. So I think it was fun for him to see that. And none of the things that my brains were saying was saying were true in the morning. So if you're ever having a really bad day mentally, just know that your brain's probably lying to you and you just need to do it anyway. And that was helpful too. But anyway, that was my last two cents about running. I hope you guys enjoy these personal anecdotes and lessons. One of my clients reached out to me and said, that's the last podcast I said I did about what I learned from my last year on this earth was a good episode. So I wanted to do another one focused on running and how it can apply to recovery. Very similar journeys. If you would like, if you like this podcast and you're new here, welcome. And if you like this podcast, you find informative, please. I never say this because I always forget. If you can give the podcast a review and a like or something, (laughs) just give it a five stars if you think it's worthy of five stars, but that always helps it out. And if you want to work with me, if you want more information on bulimia recovery, I know this episode wasn't directly related to bulimia, but I help people stop binge eating. I help them understand how to actually recognize an urge in the moment and not be blindsided by it because the Lord knows it comes out of nowhere and you think all of a sudden you have Oreos in your mouth. You don't know how they got there. So I teach people how to recognize those moments, pause in those moments and do something else and then make a decision with authority, whether to binge or not. And then through that process, they're able to stop binging and burging and eat normally. So that's what I teach people. And I teach it in my group coaching program. And in my, with my private clients, my private client one-on-one practice is almost booked out. I only have one this, this month. I have two spaces available as of right now, the end of the month, I may have more spaces, but if you want to work with me, book a consult, (laughs) book a consult with me on my website. The availability there is what I have. If you really can't find anything, email me. If you're in a different time zone, like Australia or something, I do sometimes work with people who are in different time zones that need to make accommodations. But if you want to work with me, you can book that on my website, but the spaces might go fast. So book it soon if you're interested. And then you can always utilize my group coaching program if you are interested in that too. And all private clients get access to that as well. So if you're like, I think I want both cool. You can do private coaching with me and get access to that. But both are amazing resources. And I have a free course on my website too. This month I will be doing a, oh my gosh, I have so many things going on. This month I'll be doing a free challenge at the end of the month. Dates will be announced soon for that. And next week, let me check the dates actually. Next week, this podcast is releasing the 5th Friday. So next week, the 10th, if you want, I'm hosting a free group coaching call where you can get help on anything bulimia recovery related. That will be at 12 p.m. Mountain Time. You can join by just going to my website, www.bingebakers.com and find the link and sign up and you should get the invite about 15 minutes before the call on Wednesday. So if you want to do that, if you're not sure, but you are need free help, whatever, you can go to that. Otherwise, I will 
will let you guys go. I think that's all I have for you today. Um, thank you so much for being a listener, whoever you are out there. I hope that this has helped you and I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Never give up on yourself. I truly, every time I say that, I say it for a reason. Never, ever, ever give up on yourself. Hey, if you found this episode helpful, check out my website at bingebreakers.com. It has free courses, awesome group coaching, and private coaching available to you right now. Thank you.